Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, your all-star loan lineup from Grove Financial. Leading off, Vehicle Loans. Batting second, Grove Visa Credit Card. Third, Grove Student Loans. And batting cleanup, the big guy, Home Loans. Holy cow, it's a grand slam from Grove Financial. Just look at those low rates. Apply today at GroveFinancial.org. Grove Financial Federal Credit Union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration and an equal housing lender. Hey, Tampa Bay, this is S.C. Day, your host of the Legally Steal Show, Tampa Bay's newest and hottest consumer talk radio show. Tune in to us weekly, Saturdays at 3 p.m., where we're going to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. We'll discuss issues like taxes, finances, home loans, and my favorite, vehicles. Tune in Saturdays, 3 p.m. We'll make sure you get the information you need to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. It's time for Legally Steal with your host, S.E. Day. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and happy Saturday to you. Um, this is S.C. Day, your host of the Legally Steal Show, where we're bringing you issues that matter most to your wallet. I am happy. I am overjoyed. I am elated today. Elated. Let me tell you why. If you have not been listening to the news, if you have not been watching CNN, uh, M- uh, MSNBC, CBS, the power of the people's voice is stronger than the bank's will. You got to love it. You got to love this. You raised your voice, America. You raised your voice and you said, nope, we're not going to take it. Now, I've been talking about this for some time. No, this is not the topic of today. It is not the topic of today. But I got so overjoyed when I saw this because it really gives me a sense of pride to actually believe in people. We don't just sit back and take it anymore. You got mad as hell, and you said, nope, we're not going to take it anymore. And I talked about it. I said, you know what, you can complain all you want. It's not going to change anything. You're not going to. Your voice is not stronger than the shareholders' pockets in their will to make money. But you did it. You did it. The millions of Americans out there said, we are not going to take it anymore. You caused enough ruckus that the banks are now rescinding. They are running, running with their tails between their legs. First it was Chase, then Wells Fargo. Now Bank of America, I mean B of A. B of A? Bank of America? They're actually starting to fold. So now they're saying, you know what, we're going to, you know, at Bank of America, we're going to reassess how the fees are being charged and give customers an alternative. At least, at least, Wells Fargo came out of the gate and said, listen, we're going to test this in five states. We're going to test it in five states, and 
uh, see how it works on their $3 charge. Well, apparently they tested it and it didn't work, so now they're backing off. Oh, and then there's Chase. That said, well, we're going to charge $4, $4. I guess all the bankers decided to do is we were going to get together as, you know, the banking coalition, and we were going to bully you, bully you into backing off, and we were going to charge you these fees, and damn it, you were going to be happy with it. I remember having this conversation with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago, and he said, listen, um, you think, and he heard his words to me, you think the wealthy gives a damn about $5 being charged to their account? They're not going to even miss it. Well, it's not just the wealthy that's there at those banks that's keeping the shareholders happy. It's you and I, the little people, the people who have a voice. So our voice was stronger than their will, and our voice has won. But guess what? Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, Regions, SunTrust, Citibank, Citigroup, it's not over, guys. It's not over. Because you don't think that you can throw salt in a wound and then say, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Right now, across America... And this is another thing that I am just overjoyed with. Right now, across America, individuals are showing the power of their voice with their feet. They're actually walking into banks and moving their money. The credit union administration, matter of fact, credit unions across the country are talking record spikes in Individuals walking into the credit unions and transferring their accounts and opening their accounts with credit unions. Hey, I'd like to say, just a little bit of vanity, I'd like to say that I had something to do with that. That's my job. Bring you issues that matter most to your wallet and empower, encourage the voice of the people to do something about it. So I guess Occupy Wall Street is not just a fad, huh? Occupy Wall Street is not just a joke, huh? People have voices, and they are utilizing their voices. I'm very happy for that. So I'm all behind the movement. Anything that I can do to support it, put people on an equal playing field. Do not kick the people that got you where you are. So it's too late to say I'm sorry. It's too late to say, well, we're going to rescind this. We're not going to do this. No, you've already shown the people of America that you don't care. You care about your shareholders more than your customers, and now your customers are, are, are running. It takes a lot for people to go through change, but once they accept change, it's done. Those people who have lost those customers, those bankers who have lost those customers, they're gone. Now, if you're smart, you realize, if you've ever been in sales, you realize you lose one customer, that's five customers that you've lost, and they're not coming back. So, hey, big clap. Thank you, America, for utilizing your voice and showing people how important you are and your dollar is. Good for you. Good for you. And we're going to keep talking about this subject. But today's show, we've been talking about colleges all week. We've been talking about the institution itself. We've been talking about student loans. We've been talking about the education that you actually get 
And is it worth it? Is it worth the cost of going to school nowadays and studying broken down curriculums? That's what I call them. Broken down, useless curriculums that do not apply to jobs in the outside world. Well, we were scheduled to have several guests on today to talk about this. We do have um, a couple that are coming on, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about the money that it's costing. We're going to talk about the president's new plan that he's uh, you know, aiming to put in place to help college students. Uh, we'll talk about the you know the health care bill that was passed because it had a lot of stuff in there that was shuffled in as far as student loans were concerned. Uh, and we're going to also talk about the institution itself. It's a business, people. Colleges are businesses. And I'm going to tell you some things that are going to shock you. Those of you who are in college who maybe for the first time and you don't really understand how the student loans work and or the institution itself, these things are going to blow your mind. They're going to blow your mind because you're going to see a lot of your money going out of the window and you're hoping for a job once you're done. And there's another phenomena that's happening. Because of the state of the economy, and this is what I've been hearing, and I've been getting this word from people at school uh, or at these colleges, but another phenomenon that's happening is a lot of people are taking on student loans to pay their bills. A lot of people are taking on student loans to get the money, get the payroll grant, get the student loans, but they really have no desire to go to college or stay in college. People, bad debt, especially student loans, they stay with you forever. They stay with you forever. They don't go away. Listen, we're going to take a small break, but make sure you stay with us. I got some more exciting news about what's happening in the world of the Legally Steal show and things you want to know about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Buying a home is a lot like playing baseball. You think you've got it all figured out. Then here comes a changeup. Strike one. It's easy to get frustrated. Strike two. That's why you need a coach who knows the game. Okay, here we go. And can guide you around the bases. Talk to a Grow Financial Mortgage Loan Consultant. We'll get you home. Hey. Learn more at growfinancial.org. Grow Financial is an equal housing lender and is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. Hey, Tampa Bay, this is S.C. Day, your host of the Legally Steal Show, Tampa Bay's newest and hottest consumer talk radio show. Tune in to us weekly, Saturdays at 3 p.m., where we're going to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. We'll discuss issues like taxes, finances, home loans, and my favorite, vehicles. Tune in Saturdays, 3 p.m. We'll make sure you get the information you need to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. It's time for Legally Steal with your host, S.E. Day. Hey, I'm back. I'm back. I am your host, S.E. Day of the Legally Steal show coming at you this Saturday, October the 29th. Year's almost gone. We're going into that lull of the year of the holiday season coming around. We have Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas and New Year's. It's that time of the year, so it's time to be merry and happy. But we got to look at college. We got to look at your education. We've been told, I know I was told as a, as, a, as a child, you have to go to school. You have to get an education. You have to go to college. Well, 
I thought it strange today that I have to go to college, but college is not the way that it was when I was in school. That was 20 years ago. But hold up, stop, wait. The same thing was happening when I was in school 20 years ago. And it didn't dawn on me until I started writing my first book, How to Legally Steal Your Next Vehicle and Save Thousands. And so what the heck does that have to do with something dawning on you? Well, it made me realize because I actually went back to Mississippi State and I talked to one of the deans of political science. That was my undergrad, uh, political science, emphasis in law enforcement, law. Well, perusing the halls one day, I hear, I'm, you know, the dean, he recognizes me. Great. We have a conversation. Well, in our conversation, he managed to ask me one question. And he said, Sandy, yeah, I'm Sandy, by the way, if you didn't know, Sandy, tell me, what jobs are out there that are available for political science majors? Okay, this took me aback. You're asking me what type of jobs are available for political science majors? I mean, I'm thinking you're supposed to know. Well, no, because my dean was lives in the world of academia, okay? He's an academic. That's his concern is getting you educated to go into the world. But it's like it's like when the um, – if you're running a business and your cable provider comes out to install Internet, they have what they call a DMARC point. That's where they will, they will hook up all their equipment, and then they will have their DMARC point. They don't go any further, so you have to take it from there. That's the same way with college. These people who are in the academic world, their deeper point stops when you graduate. And they're not concerned about what jobs are available for you. They have their job. Their job was to teach you and educate you, and that's what they did. So you step into the world. Now, when I came out of college 20 years ago, at the time, Governor Clinton, Bill Clinton, was running for office. This was after the Persian Gulf War. He was running for the office of president. And in during one of his campaign speech, he made a statement that uh, liberal art majors were actually the worst majors to be graduating in coming out into that economy. Well, I wasn't so worried about it because I've been in sales for more, the better part of my life, and I love it. I knew I could find something to go into. But what about the other people? Well, today, 20-plus years later, it's still the same. Actually, it's even worse now because you can go to school now, and you're taking these, I call them erroneous classes that have absolutely no, no leverage or weight that will carry once you graduate from college. Case in point. I'm talking to my son who's a uh, you know freshman in college now, my middle child, freshman in college. And just out of curiosity, I ask, what, what courses are you taking now? Well, he told me two relevant courses, of course, you know, college algebra and, uh, and English composition. Great. You need to know math. You need to know how to write. And you need to know how to comprehend what you read. Great. Love that. But then he told me he was taking anthropology, okay? 
Well, let me tell you. My son is majoring in architectural engineering. What the heck does anthropology have to do with architectural engineering? Hey, if you want to challenge me, call me. Call me here at the studio, 347-637-1008. 347-637-1008. I'd love to hear from you and talk about this. But you talk about anthropology. Um, another one, college success. Now, understand, I understand you're getting a person adapted to college away from high school, but these are courses that cost money, major dollars, okay? And in order for you to be a full-time student, you have to do at least 12 hours. Well, if you do the math and you have to, you know, you need at least 130 hours to graduate in your curriculum, which about 70 of those hours, 70, 75 of those hours, and this is on a four-year degree, are actually studies in your curriculum. The others are electives and core classes that you should have taken when you were in high school. So it's like you're being retaught over and over and over again. But if you're a, tw- a full-time student at 12 hours a semester, let's do the math here. So we got 12 hours, that's 24 hours a year and that's time four years, that only gives you 96 hours if you took 12 hours per semester. You're still short another, what is that, 24 hours? 24, 25, 30 hours? Now you're in school for five years, five years. Now, you can rack up a lot of debt because student loans, let me tell you, It really doesn't matter how bad your credit is. Understand me. It really doesn't matter how bad your credit is if you go to college. Because a government-backed student loan, they will give you a loan to go to college. They don't really care about how bad your credit is. But guess what happens? When you come out in that career, you've gotten all of those student loans to go to school and stay in school. But once you graduate, you can't find a job. There are many, many college students out there today who are working minimum wage jobs because the jobs are just not available. So what do you do? These are things that we need to take account of and find out what's going on. We need to look at the curriculum. Something's not right with the curriculum. Something's broken. And I'm telling you, it's not benefiting you, the student. Now, I put out this query earlier in the week, and we talked a lot about this. I had a lot of inquiries coming back in. And some people say, you know, listen, a college education is definitely worth it. Don't get me wrong. I agree. But maybe you should look at what's happening in the world, where you plan to be in four years or five years, and find out the courses that are available and worth it to you. Some things may not be worth it. And if you're taking these courses and you're racking up debt and you don't have a job to come out in, okay, think about it. Social services, being a teacher, being an educator, great job. We need them. But they don't pay a lot of money. They don't pay a lot of money. So what we have is we have something that needs to happen, something detrimental that needs to happen. Um, our guest today is Miss Leanne Hoagland Smith, and I hope I said this right. 
but she has some aggressive thoughts and and we're going to have Leanne on after the break and we're going to talk in depth about what's happening in the college education system and how we can change that. So stay tuned and we're going to dig deeper into this. Of course, after the break, always give us a call, 347-637-1008. And now, your all-star loan lineup from Grove Financial. Leading off, vehicle loans. Batting second, Grove Visa Credit Card. Third, Grove Student Loans. And batting cleanup, the big guy, Home Loans. Holy cow, it's a grand slam from Grow Financial. Just look at those low rates. Apply today at growfinancial.org. Grow Financial Federal Credit Union is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration and an equal housing lender. Hey, Tampa Bay, this is F.C. Day, your host of the Legally Steal Show, Tampa Bay's newest and hottest consumer talk radio show. Tune in to us weekly, Saturdays at 3 p.m., where we're going to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. We'll discuss issues like taxes, finances, home loans, and my favorite, vehicles. Tune in Saturdays, 3 p.m. We'll make sure you get the information you need to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. It's time for Legally Steal with your host, S.E. Day. Hey, this is S.E., host of Legally Steal's show. I'm back. And I tell you, I've been going on and on, but I've been getting riled up about what's going on in our education system. And we've been talking about this all week, about the state of the college education. We've been talking about the institution itself. And we have our guest, one of our guests on the line, and if I'm not mistaken, this is Miss Hatcher. Yes, Alicia Hatcher. God, I got it right. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today, Miss Hatcher? I'm doing great. It's sunny in South Florida, so I can't complain. Well, guess what? I'm in Tampa. Okay. So I it we is. have some crazy rain. Are you guys raining up there right now? No, it's just kind of over, over, overcast. But it's still okay. hot. It's still hot. And I have friends <laughs> up in the. Look, I have friends up in the um, Northeast, and they're snowed in, so oh, we're blessed. Man. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm flying to Philly next week, so I hope the snow melts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about a Nor'easter, okay? So be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm glad you decided to come on today, and I wish I had gotten – matter of fact, I want to get more of your information because I want to put you on our blog, and I want to put your photo on our website where people can go back and hear and see you and connect to your business. It's a way of me giving back, and I thank you for coming on. Not a problem. Thank you. Now, you said something in in your response, and it's something that's near and dear to me, but it's college is a business. It is. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, and it's, it's definitely a shame. Um, you know, what I was telling you is like, you know, People think when you're starting a business, all right, you need a business plan. But for some reason, that's the only thing people feel like they need a plan for. You know, right. you should have a business plan for marriage. You definitely need to have a business plan for going into into college. You know, it is a business. You know, they have to admit a certain amount of students every year to cover the cost of paying the teachers and all the activities. But it is a business. And you have, you know, you have your nonprofit schools and your for-profit schools. But at the end of the day, they're about generating money. And a lot of times schools are about keeping students in as long as they can 
in order to, you know, make more money. That, but that's just the truth of it, you know what I mean? But once you once you understand and realize that, then you know that you need to approach it differently. Absolutely. See, I didn't want to sound like a raving maniac because I'm on the airwaves <laughs> and I'm talking consumer advocate stuff and I'm telling people this stuff, but I wanted, I wanted some confirmation. I've been looking at this for the longest time and saying we have to understand colleges are some of the most profitable. Yes, I understand they have the nonprofit status, but they're some of the most profitable institutions out there. And they're charging you. I mean, come on, people. You go to college, okay, and you're getting this money, this free money, so you think. So you think. (laughs) Okay. But then you're paying for school. I just did uh, some numbers. And if you're a full-time student, you're taking, you know, 12 hours to be a full-time student. You can take more, but a lot of people are working nowadays. So they'll go out and take 12 hours. Well, your course, your core curriculum uh, for your field of study might be 120, 125 hours. Right. But taking 12 hours a semester, you're going to be in school about five and a half years. Correct. And the, And the sad part about it is, a lot of the things you're taking in school have no relevance to everyday life. Correct. So what <laughs> is what what is a solution? Because you sound very knowledgeable knowledgeable uh-huh. about this. What is a solution that you think we should be putting in place? I understand the business plan. That's a very right. sound solution. I love that. Yeah, well, I definitely, I, I wrote a book called The C-Student's Guide to Scholarship. So I'm a big, big advocate of um, promoting higher education to an extent. Um, okay. You know, I don't feel like college is for everyone. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with if you choose to not go to college. And I think a lot of, you know, kids get forced down that path because, you know, maybe their parents didn't go to college and they see that as a way for them to make a living. Right. You know, but, you know, the biggest thing for me is you don't you don't have to go. You know, no. you don't have to go, but you have to realize why you're going. You know, a lot of kids don't know what they're going to do, and that's why they matriculate into college for those four years to kind of figure those things out. And with the current economic situation, you know, they're not finding those jobs. And I'm, I'm a 28-year-old female, and I have friends that, have been in college for forever and they continue mm-hmm. to go to college because they don't know what they need to, don't know what they want to do. Right. And I think it's one of those things where you kind of need to give yourself a gut check in the very beginning because, <laughs> you know, while you are trying to figure out life, you're racking up a lot of debt that a in lot. four years' time you you may not be able to pay off. And a lot of that comes from, you know, you definitely need some sort of education, some continuing education because Absolutely. you're not getting everything that you need within, you know, in high school and in regular education because our education system was not built for matriculation into college. It was built to get people the, the just enough skills that they need to enter the workforce and become employees. Hey, um, wait, 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 wait. Say that. Please say that again. <laughs> Our education system and the way it was built has not changed that much from the 40s and the 50s. And back then, it was based on just giving getting um, males and females enough skills in order to enter the workforce. It was never about, you know, becoming entrepreneurs or no. not, not at all. And, you no. know, a lot of us people are upset that the high school system isn't preparing their kids for what they need. And quite frankly, it's not. 
but you have to do your own part as well. Um, and that's why I talk about, you know, just having a business plan when you're going into college, knowing that, all right, is my child going to a local school, an out-of-state school, or a vocational school, or no college at all, if that's right. not their plan. Um, two-year school versus four-year school. You know, they don't necessarily need to go to college for four years if they know what they want to do. Right, um, right. They need to know what type, the right clubs and networks to join. You know, when I when I meet kids, when I'm talking to them about scholarships, I'm like, don't be ashamed to join a club because it's going to offer you scholarship opportunities. Like, those Absolutely. are the things that you need to look for. When you are in college, you need to join organizations that have a vast network that you can tap into um, to make it worth joining. Don't just join the club because the colors look nice and, you know, <laughs> that you're going to get to party. Join it and mean business. You know, join organizations like FBLA and DECA that – Right. Award scholarships and have huge networks of people that have gone on to start amazing businesses and have, you know, these big, huge careers with major corporations. That's what you need to be focusing your attention on, you know, um, networking at events and internships and working Absolutely. to make sure, you know, these things you have to do. Because you meet a lot of kids and, you know, a lot of parents tell, hey, just focus on the books. You just need to get straight A's. No. You know, right. that's only half of it. If you get straight C's, but you're able to meet the right people and network and have a job before you graduate, that is honestly the perfect formula. And I know I may upset a lot of people by saying that, but honestly, that's what it takes these days. You know what? Um, I was, uh, when I first opened up the show, um, and this is kind of off off subject, but it, it, it's tying into what you were saying. When I first brought on the show, I was talking about the power of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, with the whole banking issue. I'm a big credit union advocate, and I put out on the radio that I didn't think Americans were going to be angry enough to change mm-hmm. things. They did. And now banks are running scared and saying, we're not going to charge this money. Well, right. that ties back into you got to have a voice in what's going on, not just right. be like cattle. Because my mom and dad said go to school, or it's because it's a family tradition. What exactly are you going to school for? Now, tell me. Right. You are a small business owner, correct? Correct. Okay. That's, now, that's why I love the heat right now. <laughs> exactly. Now, now, where did you go to school? I went to Lynn University in Boca Raton. Okay. Okay. And when did you realize that maybe what you were actually, man, let me ask you this. What was your field of study? Uh, communications, advertising, and PR. Advertising and PR, that's a very good field to go into. But when did you realize that um, you were going to be an entrepreneur and if you really needed to go to school? Because I know a lot of the things you took in there were not just focused on communications and marketing. Right, right. It definitely wasn't. Um, I realized that I started my first business as a freshman in college. Um, And it was something that my mom kind of pushed me into a little bit. Um, just uh, as far as realizing that I could turn what I was doing into a business. Um, I was a C student in high school, horrible student in high school, but I just got creative. <laughs> I got creative and was able to win, like, over $100,000 in scholarships to go to college. Um, wow. That was how I ended up at Lynn University. Lynn University wasn't a part of my cards whatsoever. Right. Um, but, you know, it was my mom really pushing me, saying, hey, you know, you're traveling around, you're speaking to students, you're you're helping them, you're sitting down, you're spending all this time helping them, you could actually turn this into a business, and you can charge them for your expertise. So that's, that mom was the big push. Mom has always been the big push. There you go. Um, 
And you know, I I like like I was saying, I struggled in high school. You know, math was mm-hmm. my was my worst subject, but English and um, English and writing was. And right. when I find you know another problem with what we're looking into with with everything that you know as in in our society. You know, if a if a child is struggling in mathematics but they're amazing in art, what we immediately do is we get them a math tutor instead right. of getting them an an art an art tutor or getting exactly. them into art classes and really pushing them to work on what their strength is. And I right. think that's why you know that's a bigger problem of what's going on in college. Why we have all these students that can't find jobs once they graduate because they're going into fields that hey, this is where the money is. And then they get, they graduate and they find out, what am I going to do with my life? I spent four or eight years and hundreds of thousands of dollars in, you know, in this field that I'm not truly passionate about, and now I don't know what I'm going to do. Instead of focusing on what they're truly passionate about and figuring out how to turn that, how to turn my passion into profit. Well, Ms. Hatcher, uh, what you just said is going to take us right into our next guest. So, Okay. Um, her name is 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 Miss Leanne Hoagland Smith, and she has some. She's a coach, and 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 when she comes on, I want her to tell you her background. But she has some aggressive language that I would say, and and honestly, I agree with her because I've been fussing about this all week. But she uh-huh. has some aggressive language of what needs to happen to the entire educational educational system. Uh, Ms. Smith, how are you doing today? Well, I'm very well, and thank you for having me on your show. Uh, it's a pleasure having you. Well, I, 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 I see that you've been listening in. Now, your, some of what you said in, in, in the response that I got from you, it, it, really, it really got me going <laughs> because I'm saying, yes, this is right. This is, somebody sees this other than me. If you would, Ms. Smith, tell us who you are and and what it is that you do, and then we're going to jump into what you feel about the educational system. Okay, and first, please call me Leanne. Leanne, not a problem. Okay, thank you so much. Um, my background is um, I've been in corporate for 20-plus years, was a public education educator for five years, actually was an elected school board trustee for four years, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 15 years, and my master's was instructional design and technology because I believe that we weren't writing good curriculums, Hmm. not only in the educational process but in the corporate arena as well. Right. And then I became actually an entrepreneur because I earned my master's, lost my job as a public educator, And started doing research and wrote training programs for companies, contracted out like Ameritech. And then I saw that learning was as dismal in the corporate arena as it was in the K-12 experience. Uh, Where are they coming from? Come on, they're coming from the K-12, so what else do we expect? Yeah. And so what what I saw and what bothered me when I sat on a school board is that we have an agrarian school system. Yes. We are, we're still, I think, only three countries left in the world, Canada, United States, and Mexico, where we have summers off because everybody's going to go working on the farms. But <laughs> since the early 1900s, we've been in the Industrial Revolution, then we went to you know, the quality, and then we went to the Technology Revolution, 
and why do we have a school system based on farmers and a farming culture? Huh? Tell me, please tell me, because wait, before you tell me, my my high school counselor, career counselor, was a part time farmer. It's funny that you say that. He made his money during the farm season from being subsidized, subsidized loans from the government. And when the harvesting was over, then he would come out to the school and sit as a part-time career counselor. But he didn't have a clue of what I should be doing in a field, didn't have any guidance that he could give me. He was just making money. So it's funny that you say that. Well, and I think that goes back to, in my opinion, we really have we've lost the purpose of education. Right. And with without the purpose being the rudder of the ship, we're drifting aimlessly over the sea, with constant reforms costing us billions of dollars. Right. And I go back to the data showing that in 1957 it cost us a little over 1959, a little over around 3,500 dollars to educate a, a public education student. Right. Today that cost us 10,000. We had higher literacy, higher graduation rates back in the late 1950s than we do today in spite of all the so-called advancements in education. Right. So there is a disconnect between the desired end results and what we're doing to get there. So, you said something aggressively like the entire educational system needs to be not overhauled, blown up, destroyed. <laughs> Nobody looks good in a bad system. I mean, it's hurting everybody. And then it just allows for that continuing pointing the finger of blame. We need exactly. To, we need to blow it up. We need to have it come be ahead of the curve. Because right now when you reform something, you're always behind the curve. Absolutely. So now we have to get ahead of the curve and we have to start looking what do they need. When we look at research, I mean, and this is what frustrates me, the educators know the research is out there. Mm -hmm. Yet they don't react to it. The Workforce 2020, which was done in the late 1900s, talked about what employers were looking for. Number one skill is leadership. Children, students don't get leadership unless they take an MBA course. Right. So we're not teaching that. Problem solving, critical thinking. There is so much peripheral in the curriculum that teachers, in fairness to the teachers, do not have time to really devote to critical thinking because that takes time. Now, Leanne, Miss Hatcher, uh-huh. she says she's 28 years old. You still with us, right? Yes, I'm still here. Okay, she said that she's 28 years old, and of course, she is probably the newest one out of college. It's been over 20 years for me, but I can tell you from what I've seen, it's still the same antiquated system. Now, Leanne, you—I mean. Uh, um, Ms. Hatcher, you're you're listening to Leanne. What do you feel and what did you see while you were in school based on what she's saying? Oh, I mean, I, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, the system, like she said, it, it does need to be blown up. Um, I mean, you have pockets of, of people that are doing, you know, do, doing different things in different areas that are, are, are definitely progressive, but it's it's nothing on a wide scale, and I don't see a way – for what they're doing to be implemented um, with all the craziness that is going on and all the testing. You know, the testing is the biggest thing, and that's the biggest thing that I hear um, when I go and work with guidance counselors. Like, I don't have time to talk to students about going into college or going, you know, getting scholarships because I'm busy testing kids. 
If I'm not testing them on FCAT here in South Florida, then I'm testing them or testing them out so they can go into a remedial reading class. And this is a guidance counselor. This is a career counselor whose sole job is to work with students into getting them, you know, past high school. And she said, I don't have time. The conversation I'm having with you about scholarships is is the most time I've spent talking to anybody on scholarships in this whole entire school year. And that's wow. sad. It is. It's very sad. It's very sad. And we just, you know, heard, was it? I think it was this week, that the president is going around Congress and he's using executive powers and he's going to pass some stuff about student loans. You know, all that is great, but we're throwing good money after or to a broken system that's concentrated on making money. Now, now, Ms. Hatcher, you and I talked about colleges being a business. Leanne, what do you think about this? Well, see, we're looking at the symptom of of a problem. We're not really looking at the problem. Right. The high cost of education is a symptom. And mm-hmm. the reason it's a symptom is because, oh, I think maybe 10 years ago, the Pell Grants, when I, years ago, back in the dark ages when they had them, were for 15 <laughs> hours. Right. Now they make them for 12 hours. Right. You cannot earn 120 hours of credit going fall, spring semesters. Nope. And so, and with the the additional fees and whatnot, you have many public institutions, the state universities, actually encouraging young people to only take 12 hours. Right. So they're, they're contributing by their whole business model to the problem because they want them in school longer at the expense of the community. Ms. Hatcher said the same thing, and I can tell you, we can dig deeper into this because one of the things that I have as an author, and I think all three of us are authors, mm-hmm. we would love to have our book so new every semester in school we have a new round of people come in that they're mandatory to buy our new edition you have professors here who are writing books because they're not getting paid a ton of money which a lot of people think well you're a college professor you're getting paid a ton of money no you're not so you will take your book you will write your book and every year because you don't get paid on the resale of old books Every year, you'll change a chapter or change a few words, and you will put out another edition to the tune of you know a hundred, two hundred dollars a book. It's a money-making system, and the government is helping that money-making system. And until we get proactive in doing something that's going to be aggressive, we're going to remain behind China and Japan. It's just the way it is. So. I see us going after the symptoms. We're trying to fix the symptom, but nobody is talking about fixing the problem. I personally wholeheartedly agree. And, and what I have been, I part of my practice works on leadership. And um, I have put together a, a solution geared to a certain target market because we are now encouraging young people to think they have to do, you know, a time frame. They have to do 50% more to get 40 hours of work done. Right. And that, and now we're setting them up for fail, failure. Right. And so with this, this two years additional school, then you have, you've lost two years of income. 
there's another $100,000 hit per student to each community that is not being actively used. It's a it's it's a negative return on investment. Right. Not, you know, and so that's just ludicrous. <laughs> and and the whole thing, you know, about student the teachers, I mean, I don't know what they're doing in Florida, but I'll tell you teachers here in Northwest Indiana, the professors are making six figures. Huh. As tenured professors. Wow, that's up there. <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, that's not, Florida. <laughs> not. But I mean, they're making they're making high five figures, six figures, if they're tenured. Right. And and the challenge is is that universities look at students as a necessary evil. And I've huh. said this for years because that's interesting. They, Please explain. If they looked at them as customers. Would you give, as I, when I took my degrees, I earned my degrees later in life, mm-hmm. and I took a biology lab, which went along with a biology course. Right. And our, our instructor was an American-born Korean, lovely man. His English was very difficult to understand. And he, right. he was doing a lecture, and he showed a picture of a giraffe. Okay. To this day, I cannot tell you how he pronounced the word giraffe, but unless there was a picture there, I wouldn't have known it. <laughs> okay. And so we went to the lab, and I'm, I'm making a comment and about, you know, there's something wrong here. And the lab assistant, who was also a public educator, education teacher or high school, said, well, you know, that's how it is in the real world. And I said, no, it's not. In the right. real world, if you go to Kmart and you buy a something, and it has to be assembled, and you get the instructions in Russian, Russian, what do you do? Why well, I take it back. That. I said, exactly. exactly. But I can't take this course back. Right. Huh. And, and, and that is where they're the necessary evil. They're the necessary evil to keep their salaries coming in, the dollars, but they're not customer-focused. Because if no. you were customer-focused, you would give the students what they need. You right. would just like you would give the customers what they need. You would listen to them. You wouldn't tell them, well, you know, you can only do this in 12 hours a semester. You would say, well, why don't you stretch yourself? What do you think you can do? It's, it's a- all about the universities protecting themselves. And, I mean, I was there was someone who was talking Friday about all this and said, we never challenge what we're paying universities. We never challenge what they're no. charging. no. And that should be, you know, we challenge everybody else. I mean, you know, they're marching on Wall Street. Well, I think they should be marching at the university saying, hey, wait a minute here. There's something wrong with this picture. But again. Hey, hey, we can start it. Don't get me started. I'll get on it. Listen, we got a a message on the chat line. And this is somebody who's in college, and they're saying basically, so what are you telling me? Am I wasting my time going to college? I got a lot to say there, but I'm going to let you ladies uh, uh, speak to that. Uh, Ms. Hatcher, what do you think about that question? Um, I, I go back and forth, quite honestly. Um, you know, it, it, my question back to you is what do you want to do? Um, and can you do that with the money that you're spending in, in college? Um, like I sent over to you in a response, when, whenever I have kids and they turn 18, they're getting two options. They can either – take the money that they would be spending on a college education and start a business, or they can go to college. The choice is going to be theirs. But if they know what they want to do at 18, say you right. want to be a dancer, do you necessarily need a degree in, you know, in, in the arts in order to become a dancer? Probably not. 
could right. you spend that time, you know, as a as an apprentice or working in a dance studio and working your way up? Um, that may be a better, you know, your time better more spent. You know, right. as a dancer, you have those years when you're, you know, when you're young, when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, those are your prime years as a dancer. By the time you're 22, 25, 28, you're kind of washed up in that industry, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm just that's just, an, you know, an example, but that's the way you got to look at it. I know tons of kids who love to dance, and they're at a four-year university getting right. a degree in the arts which is not the best, best uh, you know, time spent for them. And, and that's quite honestly how I, I look at it. If you uh, want to go into TV production, why not spend two years at a vocational school, you know, like Full Sail, instead of going to a four-year university? Um, you know, that's, where I, that's how I look at it. Or spend those few years interning at a radio station or interning at a TV station. You don't necessarily have to go to college to, become, to intern somewhere and exactly. work your way up that way. You know, there are a lot of kids that are graduating right now that have spent four years in college. They get out and they're saying, where is my job? Where is my corner office? They have no experience. Well, you know, and I, still think, I think you need both. But I still think at the end of the day, experience is going to trump it because it's cheaper for an employer, employer to hire someone that they don't, they don't have to train. You know what? And that leads me, uh, uh, Leanne, I don't want you to answer that, answer that question. I have another one for you that just came over the chat line. And it says, so are there really not going to be jobs for me once I graduate? What do you think about that, Leanne? Well, if if we look at what the research says, by the year 2040, 50% of the jobs out there, they don't even know what they're going to be. Right. Because technology is advancing so far, fast. So the question you have to ask yourself is what skills, transferable, payable skills, can I bring to the workforce where I can fit into almost any role. Hmm. And that's what you have to start asking because it's not the job-specific skills as much as it's the interpersonal, the leadership, you know, got to get it done, the work ethic, the effective communication skills, the team-playing skills, the collaboration, those what we call soft skills. Yeah. That's what's going to separate those who are successful in the workplace from those who are not successful and listening to Ms. Hatcher, it sounds like those are the skills that got her mm-hmm. to where she is at this very younger age in life. Right. I'll tell you, Bo, as a as a public speaker, one of the one of the things that I teach on is the graceful art of negotiations. And I speak on this keynote and do training, but I can tell you leadership skills are one of the things that I have to discuss when I'm talking with corporations because this wasn't taught in school. And you're dealing with a a society or a company of people where you're lacking leadership skills. You're lacking interpersonal communication skills because you don't know how to talk to people. You never went through that or were taught that. Now, of course, I got my master's up in New Hampshire. And I and I tell people, I say, it's kind of funny because I went to Southern New Hampshire University. I said, I got a a Harvard degree, but I didn't pay the Harvard price <laughs> because all, all of my instructors were from Harvard or Boston College, but I didn't pay that Harvard price. And getting your master's, now I know, Leanne, you said something about this earlier, but getting your master's, that's when you start going into almost specific fields 
of study and concentration so when you leave there, it makes you more employable. But you have to go through that four years of of schooling. I won't say nonsense. I won't say crap. I, I'll keep it clean because I believe everybody should have higher education. But we have to decipher what's going to work best for us. And, and Leanne, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, uh, Ms. Hatcher, you did too. The jobs of yesterday are gone. They're not coming back. So you have to be getting yourself prepared for tomorrow. And tomorrow is so uncertain, you don't know what it is. But you're still having to learn the same antiquated system. And, and, and may I interject? That's why Please. what we need to do at the high school level and the middle school is really start putting in these these necessary skills, the communication, the leadership. I mean, people ask me what I do, and I said, you know, other than making people uncomfortable, is that <laughs> I, I people pay me to teach them how to goal set. Right. Right. And 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 as I work and and I've done keynotes, people put more investment in the written grocery list than they do planning their future. <laughs> it's not it's not funny. People it's not funny. I I'm laughing because of the simplicity of what Leanne just said. You really put more concentration and knowledge behind creating your grocery list than you do your future. And, this and, is uh, go ahead. And, I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. And then we don't. And then you know we have this. What I said in that response back to you, this theory of osmosis learning. <laughs> you know, stand next to somebody. Stand next <laughs> to Miss Hatcher, and I'll be a good leader. Stand next to you, and I'll be a good public speaker. Right. And 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 we give them all this content. This you know knowledge is, you know, learning is the acquisition of knowledge. But we don't mm-hmm. give them the opportunity to to apply it consistently. There was all this rhetoric about being a lifelong learner, and I said that's a bunch of bull hockey. <laughs> <laughs> what we what we really need is we need to create self-directed learners. That's what we were talking about earlier, having yeah. them determine, okay, this is what I'm interested in. Right. Now, what do I need to do to get there? That right. kind of creative problem-solving, innovative thinkers we need to be developing. And exactly. just one last note, I am just livid that we still have young people, in spite of all the testing that Ms. Hatcher was talking about, Indiana has it, you know, mm-hmm. Illinois has it. They all mm-hmm. have it. They've been having it for over 10 years. And we're still turning out young people who cannot read. Um, so yeah, tell me that, how this is a problem. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Before I left Atlanta, uh, one of the magnet schools there, and this was a really sad situation, they were graduating about 2,000 students, and their top honor rolls, top honor roll students were about 250. These 250 could not graduate because they could not pass the exit exam. That is, it baffled me. I don't understand how you go to school for four years, and you could not pass the exit exam, and you are an honor student. And for myself personally, I remember I left my high school with a 3.62. I was rocking and rolling. I stepped into Mississippi State, and it was like I had stepped into a foreign country. I didn't know the language. I didn't know what was going on. And my first semester, 
my GPA went half. It went to a 1.81 my first semester because I was not prepared for college. <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about, having lived it, and I'm looking at the young people today. Um, All I can say is this. It's going to take all of us, the three of us on the lines now, it's going to take us being proactive and pushing something through. Um, I talk about the legislators in, in office. I call them idiots and a bunch of other things. Um, and I try to be I try to be nice about it. But we are we are depending on the wrong people to guide us in the right direction. What do you have to say about that? I definitely agree. I think something that we aren't talking about, and it's not a part of a lot of conversations, is there has to be a level of personal accountability as well. Yep. Um, you know, we, we look to our we look to all these institutions, not just our educational institutions, um, and want and, and we understand the problem. You know, people understand the problem. They understand what they're not getting. But then we what once we understand the problem. I, uh-huh. I got to stop you, I, I, and I hear you saying that, it, and, and, and I hear, and, and I do agree, that level of personal accountability. But uh-huh. here's here's part of the problem, and, and, and Leanne, tell me what you think of this. The part of the problem is we expect our youth to have a level of accountability when they haven't been taught accountability. I'm not even necessarily talking about the youth. I'm, okay, I'm talking, talking about, about the, the parents. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. It goes back I mean, it's, to it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, we can't depend solely in 100, 110% on our schools to do everything that they have they need to do. You know, it, it, there's a big part of it in, in the home as well. You know, I remember my mom telling my brother and I, you're either going to college or you're going to the military. Those were our only two options. So you have, like, to, you know, you like have to graduate mom. high school or you have to get out. <laughs> Um, but, you know, how many students do you meet or how many kids do you meet where no one in their house is pushing them to do anything, you know? Yeah. And, and that made a big difference for me with, you know, my grades not being the best and my mom being on me all the time about that. She's a life-learning educator, college professor, Ph.D., but my brother and I didn't take high school that serious. But those two things we never forgot, and both but, of us ended up becoming successful. But it takes, you know, it does take that in the home as well. But here's a challenge for you, and Leanne, please address this. Here's a challenge for you. We are, the parents of today were the students of yesterday, and if the students of yesterday didn't get it, how can they be parents today and give it to the students of today? And and I think that it, it's it's almost like a round robin. Absolutely. And and the challenge is, and I'm not a conspiracist in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Me but neither. If we, but if we look at the 30,000 viewpoints, we're saying, was there some intentionality here? Okay. Because we have created at least two generations of parents yep. who either do not value education mm-hmm. or who have been indoctrinated to believe, let the school do it. Right. Because when they came playing, the, the, the teachers, and I sat on the school board, and believe me, I got a lot of calls from parents, mm-hmm. that it is, well, you know, we know better than you. <laughs> so you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't say it's the parent's responsibility, and then when they voice a concern, tell them to sit down and shut up because they don't know anything. Right. And it's that definitely has happened, a, too. It's definitely a round robin. Listen, ladies, I appreciate, before you go, before we go off the air, um, each of you, I would like for you to say, you know, how 
how people can get in contact with you. And of course, you got to give me your Leanne. You gave me your information. Thank you, and I have it on the blog and on the website. Uh, Miss Hatcher, what's the problem? You got to. <laughs> I'll definitely send it over. Okay. Okay. Well, actually, you know, we kept sending emails, but they kept bouncing back. You know what? I've been hearing about that, and I'm going to check with our administrator. I've been hearing that from other people. Um, if you would, Miss Hatcher, tell everybody what it is that you do, how to get in touch okay. with you. And, I'm, of course, I'm going to put it on our blog and on the website. Okay, not a problem. I'm the author of the Student's Guide to Scholarships, a creative guide to finding scholarships when your grades suck and your parents are broke. Um, and I am the... <laughs> and I'm the chief popsicle of feverish ice cream. So when I'm not doing those two things, I spend a lot of time traveling around speaking. Um, and I can be reached at cstudentsrock.com or feliciahatcher.com. Do you have a website? Yes, uh, feliciahatcher.com or cstudentsrock.com. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you. Thank you for Thank being you on. Thank you so much. I'm not a problem, and I will definitely be in touch with you. Um, Leanne, yes. if you would. Would you be so kind to tell us how we can get in touch with you? Well, you can get in touch with me through my website. Okay. And there's a specific, specific page for college students. Okay. It's processspecialist.com okay. forward slash college dash students dot htm. Mm-hmm. You can search me on the web. I'm kind of all over the place. Just by typing in Leanne Hoagland Smith. Gotcha. And, and you can read my blog. It's called increase-sales-coach.com. Okay. My book's also on Amazon, Be the Red Jacket. It is a book on sales, but people have told me and they've written the reviews. This is a, per- a book that people need just in life. Gotcha. Well, listen, I thank you for coming on today. Well, thank you and for having me. Not a problem, and I'm definitely going to promote both of you ladies, and I, again, I appreciate it, and I will be in touch with you soon. Look Thanks. forward to speaking with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great evening. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, everybody, that's it. That's a wrap for the Legally Steel Show on this Saturday. I thank you all for being dedicated listeners. Of course, you can download this on the podcast. Uh, it's on iTunes. If you go to our website, LegallySteelShow.com, you'll be able to pull that up and see uh, um, the the message for the day. We had some powerful voices on today talking about education. And if you run across this, this is about this is about your future, and this is about a problem that we're trying to get rid of. And we can all solve it together like we are solving the whole financial crisis that we're going through together. We can do it, but it takes you, it takes everybody who's listening. Pass this message on. It's good information about it, and these two ladies definitely look them up. Go to our blog, legallysteal.blogspot.com, where you can see their information, see their photos, and we're going to get that information out to you. Um, also, a couple of things before I go off the air. I made the cover of Focus Magazine. Get a chance. Go to the website. You'll see that, LegallySteelShow.com. You'll see me on the cover, and you can go and read the article, too. And this Monday, this Monday, um, November, I'm sorry, October 31st, I will be on national TV again. So make sure you tune in, check out our blog, check out me on LinkedIn, uh, go to the website, you can go, it's a portal, you can go to all those places I'm talking about. But definitely 
You're going to be hearing more and more from me as I bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. So please enjoy your Saturday. Be safe and tune in Monday. Tune in Monday at 12 noon for SE's Tips of the Day. We're going to have another powerful topic that we'll be talking about all week. Hey, Tampa Bay, this is SC Day, your host of the Legally Steal Show, Tampa Bay's newest and hottest consumer talk radio show. Tune in to us weekly, Saturdays at 3 p.m., where we're going to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. We'll discuss issues like taxes, finances, home loans, and my favorite, vehicles. Tune in Saturdays, 3 p.m. We'll make sure you get the information you need to bring you issues that matter most to your wallet. Buying a home is a lot like playing baseball. You think you've got it all figured out. Then, here comes a change-up. Strike one! It's easy to get frustrated. Strike two! That's why you need a coach who knows the game. Okay, here we go! And can guide you around the bases. Talk to a Grow Financial Mortgage Loan Consultant. We'll get you home. Learn more at growfinancial.org. Grow Financial is an equal housing lender and is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.